Welcome to Ag Credit Set It, the podcast for farm newbies and seasoned professionals alike. In each episode, our hosts sit down with experts from across the agriculture industry to bring you insights, advice, and must-have information on all things rural living, from farming to finances and everything in between. So let's get to it. Welcome back to Egg Credit Set It. It's Brenna here with Phil today to talk about prepping for year end. It is crazy that we're at the end of the year already, Brenna. No, I I mean, Christmas is right around the corner and all the other holidays that take place. It is kind of nuts to think that uh, 2021 is now coming to a to an end already. So I don't know. What about you? What do you think is crazy right now? Yeah, I, it, it just was a blur. Obviously, 2020 was crazy. 2021 was, uh, I would dare to say, maybe equally as crazy. Um, so hopefully 2022 is, uh, you know, uh, maybe brighter, uh, maybe. or um, Well, to brighten up things a little bit more, <laughs> we might as well just go ahead and start talking about finances and records. It's not one of the most exciting parts of farming, <laughs> but it's definitely one of the most important so with us today to help answer some of the questions that you guys may have about year-end financials, we have Joel Althauser. Joel is a credit analyst manager here at Ag Credit, which gives him the unique ex- expertise to talk financials with us. Welcome, Joel. And Thanks, Thank Brenna. you for joining us. Thanks. I'm really happy to be here. Hopefully, we can make it a little bit more exciting. I mean, it's my job, so I think it's very exciting. So maybe that's on me to try to make it so. I'm sure you'll spice it up. Yep. I have no we'll try. doubt. I have no doubt. <laughs> well, before we jump into our topic, wanted Joel to share a little bit about um, his farming operation. Um, you know, he works at Ag Credit, but he also farms. Can you can you can you share a little bit about what you do on on the farm? Sure, Phil. Um, I grew up on a on a farm um, in in West Central Ohio, and uh, we had fair to finish sow operation, corn, beans, beef, cattle. Your typical farm th- forty years ago. But as time went on, Dad slowly uh, sold that out as as us kids left. And um, now my farm operation just involves farming all of our family ground, corn and beans, um, only a few hundred acres, but it does keep it real for me and um, keeps me in touch with agriculture. It's good to to have that as um, keeps my feet grounded as far as what I do every day with that credit. I think it's great knowing that we all, I mean, we discussed it in a previous podcast, but we all have this connection to it and fully understand the industry. So, I mean, we all, it really does seem like all of us have our, you know, our, our foot's in the water too kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's just not so, numbers on a paper. And yes. Yeah, it, so, it comes to life in our everyday, everyday lives. Yeah. So. Well, um, yeah, Joel. So we're excited to have you on the show. I guess can you can you jump in um, so everyone kind of knows what you do here? You know, we, we said you're a credit analyst and you you manage kind of a team of credit analysts. What does that mean? You know, what, what do you do here? Yeah. Well, for today, I think we'll just talk about the credit analyst part of it. And for everybody out there listening, maybe another term to use would be underwriter. That's a term that more people have heard and understand. What the credit analysts do here at Ag Credit. We look at the financial information, and we are trying to come up with realistically a grade for that loan. L- remember, loans are assets for our, for our cooperative. So we have to see how good that asset is. 
we're trying to make the best investments for our members. So what the analysts do, they give the account officers time to be out there on the farms, working with the members. And so they're not sitting behind a desk trying to crunch numbers into a spreadsheet all day long. That's what the analysts do. We take a look at the balance sheet. We take a look at the tax returns, the earnings statements, and provide some, some analysis so that team, that account officer, that credit analyst can make a, a better decision. So for somebody starting out, um, we do have a lot of younger members um, within our association. And what would you say are the basics for somebody to get started as far as record keeping and you know, starting that pattern? We, I mean, here we always talk about the pattern of pick the same date every year kind of thing and do this uh, balance sheet, year-end summary of your, what's the word I'm looking for, operation. What would you say is like initial advice for somebody getting started? So there are some basic tools that any lender is going to look for. Those would be a balance sheet and then a measure of your earnings, which can be tax returns. Make certain, if you can, get your taxes filed timely. Make certain you have copies of them. Make certain you have those available for your lender. The balance sheet, and I would argue that's probably the most important tool as far as the financial tools go. That is a, a, a document where you are recording what you own and what you owe. And the important part of that is it is a snapshot in time. It is a photograph of the financial health of your operation at a given time, and that's the date at the top of that balance sheet. Balance sheets basically has two major sections. Assets, what you own. It could be cash. It could be accounts. It could be equipment, real estate, um, vehicles, your retirement accounts, and then what you owe or what you have borrowed in order to obtain those assets. Loans. It could be loans to banks, other individuals, accounts that you have payable to co-ops, et cetera. Um, credit cards is always cards. the one people forget about. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. A, a lot of people want to try to separate the personal, which there's an argument to do that, but we need to include it somewhere. I mean, we, we still, by and large, deal with family farms. There aren't a whole lot of our family farms that's, oh, no, that's personal. We're going to separate that off. I just had that conversation the other day with somebody, their member of a a family operation kind of thing. And, you know, this was premarital, all that, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, well, what, what's the combined taxes? What's the combined balance sheet? And they're like, well, we don't need any of that person's information. It's like, uh, but I still kind of need it. Mm -hmm. Sure. <laughs> so, I mean, who, yeah. who, who pays for food on the table? Who yep. pay, and we all do have to live. So we have to be able to figure out, are there enough resources there to do that? So I don't know if that answers your question, Brenna. Yeah, Hopefully it does. It really does. I mean, a lot of people, I mean, we kind of walked through what the balance sheet is already and everything. And now, we, you know, we also kind of covered what type of information we are actually looking for. And I did, I wanted to say, like, there's one thing that I think people do forget about is their ownership of other things. So when you start getting entities and, you know, you create an entity for this land holding company or you create an entity for this green operation and suddenly you have multiple members of multiple entities, 
you know, forgetting that that you own part of that. You are, whether it's 50-50, a third, whatever it may be, you still have to put that on there. And when we get balance sheets for all of those entities, we do link them together through each balance sheet in some way, shape, or form. So I think that's one thing to... And, I, and I've kind of found out the inverse. I, I, someone will list that they have an ownership in, in a business at the bottom of their balance sheet, and that kind of rolls into, well, actually, I need to see that whole balance sheet. You know, it'd be great to see that whole thing. Um, and so that's, that's yeah, another part of it too. Yeah. And we probably might want to touch on, on why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's easy to show that you own a quarter of an entity that has a value of a couple hundred thousand dollars. What we don't see as the lender we don't see what debts they have. We don't see, do you need to contribute some capital to that entity in order for them to pay their bills? That's not a bad thing. But if you do every year and we don't know that and we are calculating your repayment ability based on just yourself, and lo and behold, you've got to provide a couple $20,000 to that entity every year, we grossly overestimated your ability to repay. Yeah. And the thing is, it's, it, it's not a bad thing to you. The last thing we want to do is loan you into a hole, loan you into a corner. Right? Yep, that's, that's our last, we, that's the last, last thing, thing we, we want. want. Yeah, It's really painting the whole picture. And that's exactly. I think that like, the, the picture has to get painted for us in its entirety in order to make sound decisions for an operation. And I... And in fact, I mentioned to somebody the other day, you know, we are here to help you. We want to see you guys grow. We want to see our members flourish in their industry because obviously we've already discussed we all have a passion for it. So it's kind of like one of those things, like if you tell us the whole picture, then you, we can make that better decision for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And that kind of tails us into the next topic is once you do a balance sheet, once we have everything, you know, w- what are you as a credit analyst? What are you looking at? What metrics are you, are you looking at on there? What what kind of jumps out at you when you, you look at a balance sheet? Yeah, basically, why do I have to do all this? Right. Well, yeah, the why. So when we talked about a balance sheet a minute ago, one of the things I, I didn't get to is this divided into two sections as far as time or term. There's the top portion, which are current assets and liabilities that within reason are going to have a 12-month life or less. That's the cash in your wallet. This is my analogy, Joel's analogy on a balance sheet. We're looking at the cash you have on hand. What do you have that you can pay bills right now? That's cash, that's grain inventory, that's input. Something that can be quickly liquidated. That's correct. Yeah, liquid is the term. Yeah. Liquid is the term. And, yeah, and yeah. You, most of you out there listening have heard the term cash is king. Cash is still king. And that's, so we want to see, can you meet your obligations that occur in the next 12 months? Your debt payments you have in the next 12 months. Your ongoing operating needs family living needs in the next 12 months. Do you have the ability to meet those obligations? The second part then, the bottom part of that balance sheet, are your assets and liabilities that are greater than 12 months. Some divide that further into intermediate and long-term. I'm not going to get into that. All we're really concerned with, those that are more than 12 months. So vehicles, equipment, 
real estate, the debts that pertain to those assets, that is your rainy day fund. That is your investment account, your retirement account. Think of the bottom part of your balance sheet as that's the long-term outlook as far as the health of your operation. So what we're looking at, we want to look at the difference between those current assets at the top and those current liabilities. That is what we call working capital margin. That's the margin of capital you have available to meet immediate needs that you may not have planned for that come up right now or in the next few months. We are also then going to look at the bottom part for what we call owner equity or how much of that balance sheet do you own? When we look at that net worth, this when we subtract the total liabilities from the total assets, we call that net worth. That is what you own. The balance sheet serves, there's an old rule in lending called the five C's of credit. And I'm not going to go into all five. We're going to hit one of them here, and the one of them is capital. The balance sheet helps us measure how much, how strong the capital part of your operation is. And I think that that really does start to show things, at least to us, that you know, how much do you own? We we do realize that, you know, as people age, they tend to start owning more of their assets than they start owing on those assets. So it's part of the analysis process, I think, that, you know, we take that into consideration. A 25-year-old that's buying his first farm under our Young Beginning Small Ag programs, those we know that they're not going to have the equity there. That's taken into consideration when you know, we look at all of this sort of stuff. So a lot of people worry about that bottom number. Right. And that's a very good example of the 25-year-old. So the 25-year-old that does a good job with their balance sheet, and we maybe, maybe this is our first application. We don't know a lot about them. And we look and hear, wow, they've saved $50,000 already since college. Tells us an awful lot about how they manage their lifestyle. Versus the other balance sheet that maybe they have zero saved. Well, that um, also makes you look into their family living. Exactly. A lot, a lot of people underestimate what their actual costs are just to survive in a year's time, their family living expense. And like somebody who's making 100 grand a year at their, annual, or their job outside of the farm, and they say that they you know, only live on $20,000 a year. Well, what's happening with the other 80? Is it in the savings? Because if it's in the savings, it's a lot more believable. Now, if it's not in the savings, well, where is it going for one? And that's a part of your family living. So therefore, your family living is actually probably a tad bit higher than that $20,000. So, I mean, there's little hints along the way that all of this stuff, you know, all of this information coming together helps us figure out. Well, and let's let's take that a step further, that same example on why you really want to be accurate with your balance sheet. It, it's human nature to think, oh, I don't want to show them every dollar I have saved. I kind of want to keep that to myself. You should be proud of that. If yep. you've got yeah. a bunch of <laughs> yeah. savings that you've worked hard to do, that tells us so much about one of the other C's of credit, character. Tells us a huge amount about how you measure or how you acquire your assets and how what you do with your earnings. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can't. <clears throat> there's been countless times where I've sat down with a new borrower or or a young guy and, and walked through their balance sheet, and and they maybe preliminarily filled it out before they got there. We go through it, and and we add five or six things that they just completely forgot about. You know, yep. um, oh, I forgot I owned that piece of equipment, or oh yeah, I do have that retirement account from my old job that I didn't count, or you know, I, I do have I forgot to list my wife's vehicle. You know, um, things like that that pop up. And so that's why it's good to to do it, but also maybe sit down and have someone review it because I'm trying to give you credit for for all your assets. I'm trying to tell the whole story. Um, I don't want to leave anything off. So um, it comes back that's to why that we do story that. Yeah, every right. Time. Yeah. yeah. So I know I I think about somebody who might be older and they're not telling us the full picture, and then suddenly we start finding all this information out and we start adding it, whatever. I mean, like sometimes seeing it written down. It's just kind of like creating a budget for yourself. Not everybody wants to do it. It's That's a slap in the face of what you've actually done and what you need to do. And I think the balance sheet and seeing it progress from year to year, I mean, we, we're going to talk here about, you know, the importance of the timing of that balance sheet and everything. You know, that's a part of that, like year to year to year. Do you see growth? Is that net worth growing? Is it is it shifting downward? Okay, if it shifted downward, what happened in the operation to to make that ha- occur? Was it a bad harvest year? There's not enough crops in the bin. Was it, you know, you, did you spend extra money buying another farm? You know, all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of coming full circle and keeping track of that annually. Um, you know, we kind of talk about completing quote unquote year end balance sheets by the last day of the year. And we, you guys will hear us all talk about, all the account officers talk about 1231 balance sheets. Um, Joel, what is the importance of the consistency of that and why we emphasize that so much? When we say year-end balance sheet, the example I'm going to give, we're going to look at December 31st. Now, I will say, if you have maybe a larger operation Maybe you have a corporation, you've incorporated your farm operation. You might complete your taxes on something other than a calendar year. So that would be a little bit different situation. Um, We would look at a different date for that, and it would be the year, the end of your earnings period for that corporation. But let's let's go with 1231. The reason we want a year-end balance sheet is we want it to match the end of your tax year. And I'm going to give maybe the simplest example, and it's a very common example in in Northwest, North Central Ohio, corn, beans, a little bit of wheat. We're we're primarily grain. It's not uncommon at all for us to get harvest done, decide we don't want all of that income in this year, and defer pay, defer some of that grain income until the following year. And typically what happens, you get your check about January 3rd. So that you did it for a reason. You move that income to the next tax year. So you're not going to deal with that on taxes until the following March. The, I mean, a, mar- a year from March. When you do those taxes, you're giving me flashbacks, man, of all my uh, and and here's <laughs> the part where <laughs> Brenna made a comment about we want to give you credit for the assets you have. So let's say then you complete your balance sheet as of January 15th. We get your tax return. In the meantime, on January 3rd, you liquidated 
$200,000 in grain. Where did that show up if you did a January 15th balance sheet? Where did that show up, all of that grain, on anything that we received? It's not on your tax return. It's, it's amazing on, how much yeah. chronological order of occurrences is so important. It is. So much goes on in this type of agriculture in the last two weeks and the first two weeks of the year. The important thing is this. We say 1231, but what, what we're really after is the balance sheet should match that tax return that gets completed based on that year that just ended. You know, right now is really the time to start thinking about the 1231 date and how you're going to go about doing it. If you need a request to help balance out those taxes... You know, that's important for us because we're under crunch time and we want to get that purchase done for you or whatever. So that way you balance everything out. I'm not encouraging it, but I, I mean, seriously, sit down with your tax person and think about what year things would be better off in. And that, you know, picking that date of 1231, I think is, I mean, it's kind of solidifies it. You yeah. Know? I mean, yeah. The beginning of December is a great time to sit down and dust off that balance sheet from the year previous what did you buy this past year? You know, what did, what loans did you take out? Just kind of write that on a you know a sheet of paper, and that kind of helps prep you for kind of the year end balance you're getting ready to do. So I completely agree with the whole year end, the twelve thirty one date, and and picking that as the date to just base everything off of. So Ag Credit asks for this information in order to better understand our members' operations. It gives us a financial understanding of how the operation is doing, and we use that information to determine loan approvals. So when we get your 1231 balance sheet, it's in the system. Everything's good. February 15th, you come in and say, hey, I need a loan. Well, we're going to take that information about that loan and add it now to the balance sheet so we can make that adjustment throughout the year. So like Phil here said about keeping track of the things you buy or sell, uh, that's that's where that becomes important. So you might have sold a piece of equipment on January 30th. You need this loan February 15th. Well, now I want to make that adjustment. And that's what that's what it's guiding us to do so we can make that all those adjustments accordingly. I mean, if you guys have anything to add on that, I mean, it's it's a building, you know, that chronological order of things. Well, and I, I think you mentioned um, there are many times where a farmer will have a situation where they realize after meeting with their accountant in December, they need to actually make one option. They need to figure out a way to minimize tax liability. Let's let's put it that way. And accountants, bless their heart, they're going to try to work with the member to try to get that tax liability down. The issue comes when Unless you have a current balance sheet, unless you've taken the time to do that, how you address that tax liability uh, may change with what you have on hand in inventory. And the best example would be we've all had very good years followed by a very poor year. How many times after a very poor year do farmers end up having a pretty high tax liability because in the prior year that was very good, they held a bunch of that grain over to January after January 1. A lot of times in agriculture, the impact of that good year or bad year, they lag. 
And without knowing what we have on hand and what we owe, especially what we owe immediately, what your operating loan balance is, what your payables are, without that knowledge, we can make decisions that might really hurt the operation. Both we as the lender and you as the, as the borrower. And our job is to try to help you make the best decision. We want you to succeed. And you mentioned the, the taxes and keeping track of that sort of stuff. So keeping track of a good year, bad year, like you said, when they report things, it's going to show us that, that pattern of uh, prepayments or you know, delayed payments that were made for inputs or things like that. So like, we can really see with the balance sheet and with the tax, the assistance, we can actually see the pattern for that operation. I mean, it's good to keep track of things as you go. And the balance sheet, you know, staying on that topic of the balance sheet, should the average farmer be looking at their balance sheets and financials to help make their decisions? And how can the information on it help them to make a better decision? One example would be the one I just gave, and that would be year-end planning. And that can come in all forms. It, It means you can make a decision based on the the inputs that you have that, okay, I want to hold my grain, and it's based on a combination of two things, what your balance sheet looks like toward year end and what year-to-date your income and expenses added up, what you do when you go visit your accountant in late November, early December, you do an estimate. Well, if the results of that estimate are you need to either reduce income, which might be too late, or increase expenditures, there's a couple, several ways you can do that. And your balance sheet will help you determine how you do that. Um, whether you borrow money to buy more inputs, whether you buy a piece of equipment that, are, that is needed, if you don't have that information, you don't know how to respond appropriately. And actually, I, I want to circle back to just filling out the balance sheet in general. I guess uh, a question I get a lot is uh, when you're filling in kind of the equipment lines or vehicles, uh, how do how do I value my stuff? What, what Do you have any tips on uh, what's the best way for a borrower to look at their equipment list and start slapping values on that kind of stuff? You know, I, The I, purchase I, price right, isn't I, always I exactly things and, from and five so. years ago is not going to give <laughs> right. us the exact value yeah. of that piece of equipment. Along with that, we want to make certain these balance sheets that we complete, and this is to your point, Phil, are, are accurate. The best way to do that is to value those assets at market value. Now, equipment, how do you do that? First of all, your ag credit account officer can help you with that. We have a number of tools available that look at the marketplace and that can help you value your equipment. We also have several account officers that are very, very good at it. One of them would be Matt Adams, who you'll hear on other podcasts. Beyond that, when you get into real estate, we know what real estate has been selling for. But I would give everybody out there a piece of advice. Don't get carried away in increasing the value of your real estate that you already own. That's another rainy day fund. If we need to do that, we'll work with you on that. Don't get carried away on that. Livestock is a tricky one. If, now, first of all, we don't. there aren't as many farmers that own their livestock anymore. I know that sounds like a strange concept, but an awful lot of them contract, at least in great numbers. But those of you that do own your, lawn, your livestock, breeding livestock, same as land. Don't, don't get carried away in 
moving the value of that breeding livestock. So you mean my champion cows aren't worth (laughs) (laughs) $5,000? And if you have one champion cow, okay. But if if you have a dairy herd, be consistent. And that's the other one. We want to be accurate, but we want to be consistent in our valuations and our timeliness. You should do that balance sheet at the same time, hopefully right at year end. So finally on grain, I uh, was doing a little prep for this podcast and actually found in something that I think we're going to start circulating here internally. I believe it's Iowa State does a year-end uh, summary of what they feel you should value all of your assets at, mostly your, your commodities and, and livestock. We've talked about that internally. We're not caught up in what you think, unless you have a contract on it. What you think you're going to sell that corn for in April, we're caught up with what's it worth on 1231. The other item I would touch on briefly would be um, market livestock, especially if you own a lot of hogs or a lot of cattle. And we over in Phil's neck of the woods, we run into a lot of cattle. You can really manipulate a balance sheet by tweaking cattle weights or cattle price. So to start out, get your numbers of cattle, number one. Secondly, if you have them in pens, be consistent on how you estimate the weight. And that's fine to break it all out, too. Like pen A, B, and C, uh, these are 500 pounds, those are 800 pounds, those are 1,200 pounds. Because we know that there's a different value for each, I guess, weight class, I guess you could say, on at least livestock. Now, one thing I was going to mention Internally, we use a lot of FSA's prices. And, you know, we know that FSA's prices right now, at least what they put out a year ago, this is what you guys should use. This is, you know, the number that they have for us. And we use that. And But right now it doesn't match or it doesn't align properly right now with the values of what people are getting at the elevator or at the slaughterhouse or anything like that. So we know that, you know... Uh, beans right now, 13, 12, 13 dollars, something like that. But we also use the 975 in our analysis. So how do we go about explain the difference? Okay. Ex- Maybe something in depth for another podcast another time, but I'm glad you brought that up, Brenna. There are a couple of differences here. And I alluded to it when I said I'm not concerned as much with what you you think you'll get for your grain in the spring when you take it out of the bin. I'm concerned with what you could sell it for today. We want to understand the difference between the balance sheet and the income statement. And what Brennan's getting to is more the income statement. We are going to use when we project your, not next year's earnings, but your typical year earnings, what your operation will earn in a typical year, we're going to use, and right now we use prices that are calculated by the Farm Service Agency because it's a good source of of pricing uh, metrics for the future. They look at futures markets and, and a whole host of other things to come up with those. On the balance sheet, you're looking at what is the value of that product right then. So what is the worth of that grain at that time. Those are two different facts. Those are two different. So would you say it's a good idea to jot down 1231 prices at your local elevator? Absolutely. Now, where you have 
grain priced already. You have a forward contract. You have a basis contract in place. We already have the value yep, of it. You already have the value of it. it or uh, you, you have deferred pay and you've already sold it. You already know it. Now, I'm going to list that on your balance sheet as grain still because it hasn't been booked on the income statement as grain yet. So I'm going to list it as inventory on your balance sheet as of 1231. Yep. And back to, so you want to know your bushels and you want to know what the prices were at your local elevator. Exactly, where you normally deliver. And let's say you nor, you sell beans that have a 50 cent bonus because they're non-GMO. That's fine. We, you're going to get that out of them. We get that. Okay, value organics coming into play. How do you value that? Same thing. What's your local market? Some would say organics get a little dicey because they'll say, well, I have a contract. Or if you read a lot of those contracts closer, the price on them may not be clearly defined in that. And down my way, Happy Honda, soybeans, uh, they're going to have a price. You're going to be able to use that price. Some of the problems there some years are getting them delivered. See that with beans over in uh, Delphus that sometimes we can't get them delivered. But either way, typically we have a price that we can use. And you ought to be able to talk to them at year end to know what that price is. Mm-hmm. So, Joel, you, you, know, you, you come to work 8 to 5. You put on your Joel uh, credit analyst hat. And then 5 o'clock, you swap that out for a farmer Joel hat. You know, I guess when you go home and you have this experience looking at balance sheets and you have this experience looking at financials and you go home and you, you're a farmer, um, can you give an example of maybe how you've, you personally have used your balance sheet um, to make a financial decision or, you know, stare down and just kind of put pen to paper on, you know, should I do this or should I not? And the best example I have would be a couple years ago when I contemplated a combine trade. Been thinking about it, was only looking at the the, the revenue side of it, the, the income I had made so far. But I, I said, you better sit down and look at, I still had some money out on my operating note and uh, was in the middle of harvest. And I said, I better sit down and really look at how is this year going to come out? Now, it, it was going to be fine. But what it gave me was the confidence that, okay, I can go ahead and make that. And guess what? I may be able to put a little more money down on that machine than I thought I could. And that's what I did, and it, and it made a lot better. I, I just felt better about the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it can help affirm a decision, or it maybe can help say, maybe I shouldn't do that right now. And and I have had, had experience with somebody who came into my office. We went over their financials and, and ultimately came to the decision you know, maybe it isn't a good choice to to build this barn right now. And that was kind of what this person was facing was, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about putting up this livestock barn. It was uh, an independent livestock guy. And he he said, I think I want to add or, you know, increase my my size. And we got looking at it. And it's like, well, actually, this this may not be the perfect year to do that. And, and so we said, let's let's sit down next year and look at this. Not that we're not going to do it, but Maybe we look a year from now, and if that's not right, then we'll do it the next year. But you know, it, it's a good thing just to say, okay, take take a breath. It may seem like a good idea in your head, but w- once you take a look at things, it, it, you may change your mind. You know. Well, this last fall is a really good example of that. Equipment values have increased. I mean, truck values have all increased. So you think oh, I can get this out of that? So I'm going to go ahead and trade that in or sell that. But you also have to think you have to go back and buy something else in order to replace it. So if you don't have that backup plan already in place, some of the times those sales don't make sense or that trade-in doesn't make sense. And I think 
you know, keeping track of all of that information and the balance sheet helps you do that, helps to make that decision. Um, I mean, I, for one, thought it was a great idea of trading a truck. Right. <laughs> who doesn't want know, a new truck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't want to drive around in a one-ton diesel, you know? Yeah, right. But, uh, you know, I decided not to because it really is financially a better decision for me to just stay on course with what I got. I pretty much have all the the features in the truck that I already have and want, so might as well just stay where I'm at. Then I didn't have to buy another hitch for the camper and all that kind of stuff to go in it yeah, too. It's, so it's all those little things that yes. I have too, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. So. Sometimes the the sparkle of the idea doesn't quite you know meet you know kind of what maybe in reality is what you should do you know and, and so sometimes yep. saying no is the hardest part. Shiny so, and pretty yep. is right. definitely a hard thing to walk away from. So yep. Uh, and Joel, I guess uh, one of our last questions we have uh, that we want to ask you is any tips for farmers as we approach year end? You know, how, how can we set them up for success uh, as we we kind of on the roller coaster ride uh, down to twenty twenty one? As you get closer to year end, if you typically sit down with your accountant, use that as you're also once that meeting's established, when you're gonna when that appointment is. Use that as your deadline to start that, to get that balance sheet in place. And while we're talking about that balance sheet, that's something you can work on all year. Those of you that like a spreadsheet or if you just like a pad and paper, when you, in September, book some 28, pay for that, stick it in the tank, jot that down. That's going to go on your balance sheet. This is something you can work on over time. When you start, you're working through harvest and been at, out on the combine all day, filling up uh, one of your grain bins and one of the bins is full, go in at night, take a minute, pull up that spreadsheet, put that bin down there that, hey, the east bin, 20,000 bushels, filled it, it's there. Just make some notes to yourself as you go through the year and completing that balance sheet at year end will be very simple. And the last thing I would encourage, our account officers, just like you all, are pressed for time. We all are. That kind of seems to be life in the United States anymore. Um, but try reach out to your account officer. Say, hey, let's get together for breakfast and go over my balance sheet. They'll jump at the chance because the best information we receive from our members is when we sit down as a team and complete that balance sheet. It's by far the most accurate, the most consistent. And down the road, when you can look back at 15 years of balance sheets laid out side by side, that's where I do think record keeping and balance sheet prep becomes a little bit fun because it brings back an awful lot of memories as you a, a well-completed balance sheet will tell you an awful lot about that year. And that's kind of, oh, yeah, that's the year, you know, son went to college. And, and yep, I remember the drought that year. Or, <laughs> Took out that student loan for it. Yeah, yeah <laughs> there's the student loan. And, and, oh, guess what? Look, we didn't have any grain on it. Did him, he pay know. that back? <laughs> or, that's the or, or the opposite. Holy yeah. smokes, look how much grain we had three years ago in the bins. It tells you an awful lot about the success and the mature, maturation of, the, of your operation. And we like to look at that. We like to look at history. And that's where I think a balance sheet can be 
kind of enjoyable and maybe a little bit fun. And the nice thing being, you know, if, if you do it 1231, it's done, you get it to add credit. Maybe you're not planning on doing a loan the next year, but now it's sitting there waiting for you. And when, when a loan request comes up, it's already done. That's something less you have to worry about when maybe you're, you're Makes out our planting and you're like, boy, I, I really don't want to sit down and do my balance sheet right now. Well, you did it three months ago. So, <laughs> you know, it's, yep. it's all done. And this is one of those times yeah. I can take the heat. I'm the one always pushing these two. Hey, do we have a balance sheet? Do we have 1231? So those members to get a little bit frustrated don't blame Brenna don't blame Phil yeah. have them <laughs> give Joel a bunch of grief because I'm always asking for it but it makes we get you better results we get you better information for you to make better decisions about your operation well Joel you said the perfect word team we want to be a team with you like we said earlier we want to see you guys succeed and sitting down and having breakfast with somebody or lunch with somebody and completing all that information really does solidify what the team is all about and us helping you guys. So I think that's one way, one way to definitely look at it is utilize us as a teammate um, rather than, Ooh, the banker, Ugh, you know, in order to create that atmosphere, I think it's a, it's a good way of thinking of it. So, but uh, Joel, we want to thank you for joining us today and taking the time out of your day to sit down with us and to discuss the ever so thrilling topic of year-end financials. I felt like you so, made it. I feel like you made it spicy. I yeah. feel like you chased right. it up. That's you know, nice. <laughs> he uh, he uh, he came. He showed up. He did it. Yeah, and so, since we're here at the end of the year, it is at that time where it's a, it's a great time to sit down and start thinking about year-end financials and you know wrapping up the operation and hauling in that last load or making that last purchase or sale or whatever it is. So um, we want you to remember, you can always reach out to any of your account officers. I'm pretty sure we've touched on that quite a bit. Always reach out to us um, here at your local ag credit office uh, to help you go through what you need and what's best for your operations. So um, year-end mailings will start going out in December. So some of the offices have already been gathering up that information and trying to put those packets and get them out to you guys. So be prepared. It's on its way. So so we just want to say thank you again to Joel and thank you for tuning in to Ag Credit Set It. Thank you for listening to Ag Credit Set It. Want to talk ag in between episodes? Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at agcredit. For more tips and resources, visit agcredit.net and be sure to subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Catch you next time.